Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of striving for eternity. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Welcome to another edition of The Rap Report. We are on location. I am in New York City. I've been here for most of this week with a group called Christian Collegian Network. It's a college campus group that trains Christians to go out and share the gospel biblically and teach them the apologetics to defend their faith. We've been out in New York City pretty much most of this week just going out to the different parks. We've been to Washington Square Park Union Square Park, Battery Park. We've also gone to Times Square and different places to share the gospel around New York City and train up some students to do that. Uh, myself and Dr. Anthony Svestro were blessed with the opportunity once again to be able to train them. We talked about the topics of the deity of Christ and the reliability of Scripture, specifically when addressing Muslims. And so we came out on the streets, came out to evangelize. One of the things that we do is we disciple the young students who are looking to get their feet wet in evangelism. And what I'd like to do today in today's podcast is address something maybe you've seen on my Facebook wall that someone tagged me in a video that occurred last night. And I should apologize up front, my voice may be a little bit raspy. Um, because we've been out on the street evangelizing. And I'll also say that the quality of this episode may not be as good as usual because I am uh, using temporary equipment, and so we hope it still sounds good enough for you to listen. But what we did is we went out on the streets, and like I said on my Facebook wall, someone tagged me in a video where I got up in Union Square Park to address something called black Hebrew Israelites. This is a movement that you see in many of the major cities, and you see usually young black men um, that will stand up, usually in a group of them. They will be very loud. They will over shout you, they will speak in unison or just keep talking over you. It's usually a very rude conversation that they have and it is very difficult to try to have meaningful dialogue at least when they're in a group now there was one individual who was there he seemed somewhat reasonable we were trying to start a one-on-one conversation with him and on my facebook walls the video we'll play it here and go through it but you're going to see when we play that video and i'm going to try to first give you some explanation of what their positions are today in this podcast but then i want to play through a video and i want you to see when we do i'm going to be trying to get a one-on-one conversation to try to have a reasonable conversation and to actually deal with the text and you're going to see that they're not willing to do that and when they realize that i will not let them misinterpret scripture they ended up walking away now we do have some previous short versions of the rap reports that we used to have i'm going to play them on this podcast, the old ones that were on a different network and is no longer exists. So we're going to play them again, some of those audios, just so we have it and that you'd be able to see what their the positions are. And so when you come across these type of gentlemen, I will give a warning. They can be very, very aggressive. 
The other thing is, as someone who would have a lack of melanin in their skin, in other words, a white person, you're going to see that they have very differing views. They are a very, very, very racist group. Basically, they believe that the blacks that were involved in the African slave trade were the Hebrew people that we see in the Old Testament. They were the Hebrews that came over to America as slaves and as such that they are the most of them at least in America claim they're from the tribe of Judah but they are the Hebrew Israelites and they're going to claim that they will eventually uh, dominate all white people that the whites will be their slaves they will be allowed to rape white women they will be allowed to kill whites And this is what, for many of them, they are looking forward to in their next um, stage of life, the next where they think things are going. Now, all of this is based on one key verse that they use to justify that they are the Hebrew Israelites. And so when we get back from this commercial, I would like to play the episode from a previous rap report to explain how they use a verse out of Deuteronomy to explain that they are the Israelites of God. Two, two, two great books and one website. Visit strivingforeternity.org. There are two books that I would like to recommend you purchase. What they, meaning people who aren't Christians, other religions believe, and what we believe. Systematic Theology Made Simple. Both are great resources, especially if you plan on witnessing to somebody. Strivingforeternity.org Today we want to deal with an issue that maybe you've come upon. Have you ever run across those that believe in what's called Black Hebrew Israelites? They believe that as their color of their skin... Because of slavery, they are the Israelites. They believe this based on one text of Scripture, Deuteronomy 28, verses 68. It reads like this, And the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt, the journey that I promised that you should never make again. And there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, and there will be no buyers. Now, they argue that Egypt is a reference to slavery, and therefore this refers to the slavery of blacks that were taken from Africa over to America by ships. Now, the problem is the only word that they want to take literal is the word ship. Anytime you're going to interpret anything in Scripture, you need to read it in context. Notice, it's saying that the Lord will bring them back in ships to Egypt. If the ships are literal, so is the land of Egypt as literal. Now notice, if they're saying that this is the American slave trade and that these blacks were Israelites, here's the problem. Notice the end of the verse. It says that you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but there will be no buyer. If this is speaking of something, it's speaking of people who put themselves into slavery and there's no buyer. They sell themselves. This is different than the American slave trade. In fact, what this is perfectly analogous to is that which happened when 
Israel was invaded, both northern and southern tribes, and the Israelites fled to the land of Egypt, literally, and they went there by sea, and they sold themselves into slavery to be able to survive. They made themselves slaves of slave owners as a way of making a living. Perfectly good explanation, because it's historically true and has nothing to do with the African slave trade. So when a black Hebrew Israelite tells you that this verse is a prophecy that they would be coming into slavery by ships, just ask them if it's all literal or all figurative. There's nothing in the text that makes that difference. Okay, so what you see there is the fact that we see that they're going to take a passage of Scripture and they want to take one word and say that that one word is literal where the rest of it is not. And we can't do that when we interpret Scripture. So either the word ships and everything is all literal or it's all figurative, but you can't pick and choose, which is often what you see they want to do. They want to pick and choose so that they can come to the conclusions that they want to come to. Now, either this verse is a literal ship and it's literal Egypt with literally slaves with literally no buyers or it's all figurative and they have to have returned from there. So if the Egypt refers to slavery, as they say, as bondage, then they have to have once been in bondage. Now, their argument will be that they were in bondage in Egypt, the the physical place, the literal Egypt, and then they return not to Egypt, but to bondage. So what they end up doing is saying that Egypt is Egypt when they want it to be, and Egypt is bondage when they want it to be. It, it becomes an inconsistency. And, and this seems strange to us. But in order to understand this, we have to understand something else about them. Their way of interpreting Scripture comes from Isaiah 28, verse 10. And this is a key to understanding the way that they view approached what we'd call hermeneutics, the science of interpretation. Let me let me play an old podcast for you so you get an idea of what it is that they view, how to interpret Scripture. If you've tried to reason at all with a black Hebrew Israelite on the streets or when you see them and you're trying to deal with the ways of interpreting Scripture, in other words, following within the principles of things like context, you'll quickly find that they don't quite believe in that. In fact, most often what they'll do is they will turn to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 10, and say that the way to read the Bible is not as a novel. In other words, you don't read it in context. They would say from Isaiah 28, 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. This is the main point when it comes to how black Hebrew Israelites are going to interpret Scripture. They're going to argue that it's got to be here a little, there a little. That's one of the things you often find with the problem that they have in interpreting Scripture is they want to pick and choose from here, from there, little from this spot, little from that spot, pulling one thing out of context, pulling another thing out of context, and they will use this verse to argue that it's biblical, Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. When the reality is, they're not really doing line upon line because they think that when you do that, you're reading the Bible like a novel. In other words, the way it was meant to be read. Now, this could be very, very frustrating when you are trying to reason with someone that believes in this 
And they want to just take the Bible, grab from one spot and another spot, jump all over, take it out of its context, say that you don't read it in context, you don't read verse by verse by verse, you grab what you want, you make it mean anything that you want it to mean. This becomes a real difficulty because you end up seeing very quickly that you, by doing that method, can make the Bible say anything you want it to. You just grab a couple words from here grab a verse from over here, grab this, grab that. The thing they don't even understand is that we didn't have those verse numbers for about 800 years after the writing of the New Testament. So you end up seeing that they will argue for the fact that you take one verse from here and one verse from there, but those verse numbers weren't there. So that justifies them grabbing anything, taking it out of context, isolating a text, then slamming it together with another text that they probably took out of context and put it together. This is what is called as proof texting. And proof texting is a wrong way to interpret scripture. This is why they come to wrong conclusions. And when you are going to try to follow biblical hermeneutics, it is difficult to have to go over this with them. And so you're going to see how frustrating this can be when we play the clip that I mentioned earlier. But there's some other things that I want to explain to you, and they have in their belief system. One of the things that they believe is that the African slave traders were very much concerned with keeping the Hebrew tribal lines. And what they supposedly did was they would kidnap blacks or African Africans, um, and they wouldn't say they were Africans, they'd say that they were Hebrews that were in Africa. And these Hebrews that were in Africa were kidnapped, and only the, the Hebrews were kidnapped, not the others. And so their 12 tribes of Israel were in Africa. They were kidnapped and they were cautious to make sure they kept them together. In other words, with the line of Judah, for example, they were taken to the Americas where I think it was the tribe of Dan maybe that went to Puerto Rico or something like that or Jamaica. And, And so what they have is they have a list of where all the tribes supposedly go. Now this is something that started in America. Therefore the line, the kingly line of of David is here in America. Uh, I do find it interesting. They all want to be that kingly line. They do not take well to someone like myself who can say that he is a Levite. And the reason we would say that is because the Jewish people kept records of the lines all the way back. And the rabbis, many different areas keep these these lines. Now, were the records destroyed in 70 AD? Yes, they were, but it was still known orally and they were able to be written down again. So you have these documents that that give you the line, the genealogy, and my last name would trace back to a Korahite, which were the carers of the temple, and then further back to Levite. So I would be a Levite. Well, they don't like that because they believe me being white means I cannot be a Levite. They would actually, they wouldn't call me white, they'd call me an Edomite 
because I'm red. And so what they would say is that I am not of Israel just based on the color of my skin. Now, I said this is a very racist group. And I also will caution, if you try to dialogue with them, also know that they can be a very violent group. I do not instruct people or encourage people in any way to talk to a group of black Hebrew Israelites alone. They can be very aggressive. They could be very violent, especially some of the younger members who are just starting to get into it. They don't always know how to control themselves. So, son, you do need to be cautious. When I was first engaged with them in New York City at Union Square Park many years ago, about 12 years ago, I had hecklers that would not let me speak with them. I remember one heckler specific. He was an African-American. His name was Robert. He was a practicing homosexual. And he would not let me, I mean, he physically restrained me so that I would not go and talk to them. And when I asked him why, he said he feared for my life. He said, if you tell them that you are Jewish, they will hurt you. And it was interesting that he wouldn't let me go. I, instead of going and talking to them, took that moment to talk with Robert because I felt the Lord was prodding me. Robert was concerned for my safety as someone who hates Christians, and I wanted to take that opportunity that day that I was there to share the gospel more with him because it seemed that there was a relationship and an impact that God was having with he and I. And then the Black Hebrew Israelites left, so I never got the opportunity that day. But I have had other opportunities. Now, when I talk about their tribes, let me play a clip after this commercial to show you what I mean with their their tribes and the views that they have and why I think it is so illogical. Striving for Eternity is a Christ-centered ministry focused on equipping people for eternity. And they provide speakers and seminars that come to your church with expertise in theology, hermeneutics, world religions, creation science, evangelism, presuppositional apologetics, church history, and expertise in sexual abuse in the church. For details on their seminars and to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Striving to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. Continuing in our discussion on black Hebrew Israelites, which is a group of typically black men in major cities that are doing a lot of street ministry, trying to recruit for their group. One of the things you end up seeing with them is that they believe that the blacks in Africa that were taken as slaves were Israelites, and those that were left were Africans and not Israelites. So a logic question you can ask people that are involved in this movement or considering this movement is the question, how did you have people that were in a family and only one sibling was taken, meaning that they were an Israelite while other members of the family were left. If you have siblings, they would both be of the same genealogy. Furthermore, you end up having that black Hebrew Israelites will argue that they can tell the different areas that a black was from by their tribe, by whether they were brought to America versus Jamaica or some of the other islands. That seems kind of strange that the slave traders 
would have been concerned with making sure that all of the blacks that they were kidnapping to use as slaves to make sure they stayed with their same tribal family. That's not very logical. So the reality is, when we look at this, it doesn't make logical sense to say that only the Israelites were taken as slaves when you have siblings and one was taken, one was not, meaning that the one left behind was a Gentile. That's not very logical. One of the things you could do, not that um, it's always advisable, is to take their style of interpretation and see whether they would like it when you turn the tables on them. This is something that you'll see that with some of them you need to do so you could show them what they're doing wrong. They cannot often recognize that they are taking passages out of context. They cannot see that they're taking things and giving them new meanings. One of the things I would like to do very often when I talk to them, especially if I'm one-on-one and not in a group, is I will use different passages from the scriptures and try to argue that Jesus is white. Why do I do this? Because they're going to argue that Jesus is black, that he was dark in melanin, that all Hebrews would have been black or darker in complexion. Now, I will say, I do not believe that Jesus Christ had a lack of melanin as I do. I think that from being from the Middle East, he would have been more of a mixed complexion. Do I think he was a dark complexion? I don't think so. Do I think he was a pale complexion? I don't think so. I think he was something more in the middle like we would see in the Middle Eastern men even today. Now, that's going to be different than the Africans that we see with a much darker complexion. And they're going to take passages to try to argue that Jesus was black because they will see words. And they will also do this with Hebrews where they'll look for words like dark or uh black and try to attribute it to the Hebrews, even though the context may be completely different. And so what I've done sometimes is I will try to argue that Jesus is white. I do this so that what they are forced to do is to argue that I'm taking the passages out of context. Now, I know that I'm doing that up front, but I want them to commit to that. Because when they do, what I like to do then is be able to say to them that what they're doing is the same thing and they don't recognize it. And I want them to recognize that. So let me uh, play this last clip that we have from their old podcast when it was on a a different platform. The platform has been destroyed, or at least our podcast was destroyed, and so we, we don't have that up anymore. And so I'll replay it so at least we can get that content out. But this is how sometimes I like to deal with them. As we continue to look at the black Hebrew Israelites, we noticed yesterday that they look at Isaiah 29... 10, to argue that the way we should be interpreting the Bible is not as a novel, but precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. To say that we grab one verse from somewhere, grab another verse from another place, and if we can make them say what we want them to say, that's how you interpret the Bible. They use this often to try to show that Jesus was actually black. But you know, we can show, using that same way of interpreting, that Jesus was white. We could just grab a verse, 
John 1, 29, where it says, Behold the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. And we know that lambs are white. Furthermore, we could jump to Revelation 1, 14 and see there that it says, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. Speaking of Jesus, therefore Jesus must be white because he's described that way. We could even jump further to Mark 9, 3, where it says, speaking of Jesus, and his remnant became shining exceedingly white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. In other words, when we use their style of interpretation of grabbing from one passage, grabbing from another passage, and slamming them together, that's called proof texting, by the way, and not the way to interpret, you can make the Bible say anything you want it to. They do that to show Jesus is black. I can do that to show Jesus is white. Which one's right? Well, that's the importance of reading in context. The good news is Striving for Eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting scripture. The bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 29.11 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area. So as you can see, this could be a very frustrating thing for them to be arguing that Jesus was not white. But in order to do that, like I said, they would have to first come into our worldview, our way of interpretation, and recognize that the Bible should be read in context. You can't just grab words like the word white when it refers to remnant the clothing, and apply it to the color of skin. This is exactly what they will often do, but they'll call foul when you do it. Sometimes it may get them to stop and recognize what they're doing. I have had one. Now granted, it wasn't with a group of people. It was just two of them. But I have had one guy that recognized that he was doing the same thing. That also brings up a second point. You want to sometimes try to see if you could deal with them and isolate them and deal with just one or two of them. When they are in a pack, they have that mob mentality where they cannot let someone else win. And they can't even give in with their friends around to look like they're agreeing with you. And so what I'd like to do is I would like to play for you the audio from the other night. Now I'm going to say up front that the audio quality on this may not be the best, but I hope that it is helpful. I hope you see that I'm going to be trying to apply some of the things we've talked about in this podcast with these gentlemen. Now you can't see on the on the video from this audio, but in the video I started with one individual one of the other Hebrew, black Hebrew Israelites who heard me referring to the passage in Deuteronomy went and got others, and then there were four or five of them, and then it was the pack mentality. You'll see them shouting over me. You'll see me trying to conduct myself where I want to get a dialogue with just one person, the person I thought was reasonable. So you're going to see me use some of the things we've talked about. Now, the audio quality, I should mention, is going to be in a crowded park at night. There's a lot of music. There's a lot of noise. So I'm going to ask you to pay attention. We'll try to see if we can get this sounding the best that we can. But I do want you to listen. The content, I think, is worth it. So let's give a listen to the audio on this. 
Okay, so I'm going to stop there just to say this. Do you notice how he did exactly like I said? He wants to not focus on one verse, Deuteronomy chapter Deuteronomy verse. He wants to jump to Isaiah to explain the Deuteronomy because the passage in, that in Deuteronomy doesn't support his conclusion. And this is what I talk about them jumping all around. And you're going to see that I'm going to mention their here a little, there a little, and watch their reaction or listen to their reaction then. Bring the evidence. Tell me about the that's what we do. So first off, the way we interpret scripture is we do it in context. We don't take here a little, there a little, and make it up. We go line upon line, which is what it says. If you read that in context, see, see look at it, look at it, exactly, read that in context. It says line upon line. You got a line and jump to someone line. So I'm going line upon line. So see, now this is the thing. Notice how they don't listen. Notice how they're not listening. What you see is people that have, have preconceived ideas and are not willing to listen. So now here we're, here's what we look at. When we do, we, see you you ask. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line. Line upon line. So he just said rape is okay. Whoa! Now that could be a dangerous thing sometimes to say, but if you pick up what I was saying, I'm trying to point out that when, if you're going to just take from anywhere you want, say here a little, there a little, we'll grab from here, we'll grab from there, then we can say, take whatever they say and say something completely ridiculous and they can't say anything about it because... All we have to do is grab a little from here, grab a little from there, make it say it. Now, maybe I didn't make the case that he was saying rape is okay, but sometimes if I was, we're, we were also, by the way, looking to leave at the, it was the end of the night. If I was up there longer, maybe I would have been able to have time to try to listen to son he said and try to make some absurd statement by taking a couple of the words that he says and say that they're, you know, take them out of context, make it say son absurd. That's sometimes what you do to show exactly how, what they're doing. What's the context of that verse? Bro, what's the you context? don't say what you don't believe what the precept of the scripture says. Yeah, I got it. Straight. This is John 7 and 38. This is what the Lord said. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. They ask me to break down the verse, but they can't handle it. Now, do you see how I was trying to deal with the one verse in Deuteronomy, and yet they can't this is a common thing you'll see them do they start shouting over taking other verses and they all start shouting and i'm trying to answer the one question they first asked but they never want to let me get to it because they want to shout 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 over me and start bringing up other topics a way to deal with that is as you see i'm going to try to do i want to stay on topic do not fall for the ploy of jumping from topic to topic to topic because the reason they often do it is because they just know they're going to lose an argument on one stick on that point 
Okay, so why did I do that? Why did I ask, are you going to be quiet? I want commitment. I want them to commit that they are going to follow the rules that we agreed to, that we're going to have a dialogue, that it's going to be one person with one person, not one-on-many. This is the thing they often have to do is do one-on-many. I don't want one-on-many. I want one-on-one. That's what I was trying to do here. We're talking about, all right? We're going to interpret scripture. The thing we're going to do with any kind of language is it's, we're going to look at this and say either it's literal or figurative. You want to say Egypt is figurative, but the ships are literal. The burden you're going to have when we get done is to tell me why the ships are literal and everything else here is figurative. Because it's either it's all figurative or it's all, or it's all literal. What it says, it speaks about the Jewish people that fled when, when the Babylonians and also when the Assyrians came in that the Jewish people had fled to Egypt where they could make a living, but they couldn't make a living other than selling themselves as slaves. Okay? So we're giving you some history. Now, let's look at what the text actually says and see if it says what they claim. The claim is that this is a text that refers to the black slaves of Africa that were brought over here by ship and then that were sold as slaves. Let's see if this is what the text actually says. It says, and the Lord... Oh, good, the light's good. And the Lord will bring you back. So first off, it's going to bring them back, which means they were once there. Now, the African slave trade, the Africans were not here in America to come back to America, but the, but the Jews were in Egypt to go and come back to Egypt. So this is a group of people that left and came back. So it says, and the Lord will bring you back in ships. So what do we see? That this group of people who have been in, in this place, wherever the place is, not only left, they will come back by ship. If the Africans had been in America and left and then they came back by ship, that might apply to them. The Jews were slaves in Egypt. They did leave Egypt and they did come back in ships to Egypt. Even though they could have walked, they also took ships. It says that they came to Egypt, a journey that he promised you shall never make again. And there you shall offer yourselves. Now here's the key. They will offer themselves for sale to your enemies, male and female slaves, but there will be no buyer. So again, there will be no buyer. This was not the African slave trade because the African slave trade had buyers. And this is people who sold themselves as a way of employment so that they would be able to have... Uh, hold on. Well, I'm going to talk with him. I could, This is an ESV. It's not the King James. So... Now, what you're going to see here is they're going to bring up the King James. When they don't have an answer, they always switch topics. The issue they have here is they only accept the King James. This is a problem. Now, I am going to make a mistake in a, in a moment. On you know, If you'll listen, you'll hear me apologize because I forgot that they, we're in the Old Testament, but I'm going to talk about the Bible being in Greek, and uh, New Testament in Greek, and the, we're out of the Old Testament, which was Hebrew. I'm also going to make a mention in a bit about... He, Hebrew because they're going to ask me if I can speak in Hebrew. Now keep in mind that these people have their own Hebrew dialect that started in Harlem in the 1960s and that I'm going to bring that up because they're unaware of the fact that the Hebrew they claim is not the Hebrew that any Hebrew speaker speaks and they've created their own Hebrew and that's what they end up speaking.
Please watch your language, sir. It offends me. So, Mr. Hennigan, it's Jacob, right? Okay. So, so Jacob, Jacob, were the Africans once in America prior to the slave trade? Yes or no? Uh, yes, they were, because guess what? King Solomon sent the Hamites over here to collect gold to go back to his kingdom. That's how the Africans came here. We are not Africans. We are not Africans. And you know that with your life. What Bible is that? Is that a cage? It's not King James. Do you see how they go back to the, what Bible is that? What Bible is that? Because they, they know that they don't want to be asked about proof that Africans were sent here by King Solomon because they won't have that. They, they make up a history. You, you want me to break out the Greek? Would you prefer that? Yeah, I'll the Hebrew. Bring out the Hebrew. The, the, the New Testament wasn't written in Hebrew. It's written in Greek. Yeah, that's why I said I'll break out the Greek. Okay. So what does that mean? Me. I, that means they refer back to the Old Testament. So what are you talking that's about? That's true. You're right. It's all right. You're right, Rob. It's all right. Let me point this out as well. You hear me say that I was wrong on something. If you're going to be in front of people and you say something wrong, own up to it. Don't don't try to claim that you are perfect in any way because the crowd's going to know you're not. So I was wrong. I was speaking of the Greek New Testament when we were reading an Old Testament passage. I was wrong. I admit it. Um, but do you notice how hard it is for me to just keep the one guy on topic and all the others want to jump in? Do you know Hebrew that isn't from, from Harlem in see what I'm doing. They want to play any game they can to make it look like they won a debate. That's what they do. And you see they're focused on a, on a term that I said, black Hebrew Israelite. They want to focus on one word, black. And they want to get into a debate of whether their skin is actually black or brown. But I didn't use the word black referring to their skin. I used the word black referring to a group, an somewhat loosely affiliated organization called Black Hebrew Israelites. And I'm using it as a term that all three words are one title or term, and they want to break it down. It's interesting. They don't want to break down the text of Scripture that way, but they do want to interpret what they want to interpret that way. And that's what you end up seeing that can be hard to deal with with these folks is that anything goes as long as it turns out that they look like they are winning as long as it looks like they have a, a chance of making it sound to their followers and their others that they are uh, basically 
silencing you. They're trying to do that, and you're hearing that they're having a hard time with it. I wasn't talking about the color of your skin, so why are you bringing it up? Black Hebrew Israelite is a group of people who have a certain belief system. That's it. It hasn't had, it has, I'm not talking about the color of your skin. So that is... What is it talking about? It's talking about a group of people that have a belief system. So, so reality. So, 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 so you guys cannot have civil dialogue. You can't have civil dialogue. You know why? Because you, you're, you, you have to keep jumping around to red herrings. Now, what you hear in some of the language could be harsh, but what you hear is they're now going to start insulting before they run away. They call me uh, Satan. They call me a devil. They call me an Edomite. They over and over call me boy, which is an insulting term It's in, their, in the way that they're using it in, in their mind. And they're calling me all kinds of other things that I can't repeat. And this is what they end up doing. They they can be very, very, um, I don't know what the best word would be, but in their language, very crude, I guess, would be a good word. And that's what you end up seeing with them. Now, at this point, they're going to leave, but I'm not going to be done because I know they can still hear me, so I continue to explain why it is that I think they walked away and why it is I think that they don't want to continue dialogue. No, no. Now, if you heard the reference, get ready for World War Three. This is what they look toward. They believe there is a World War Three coming, where they will be the slave owners, where they will be the masters, and we will be, whites will be their slaves. That's what they look forward to. And this is really scary to think about, because when they start talking at that level, this is where you start to wonder what they may do. They speak as if they want to create another civil war in America. And as this group continues to grow and continues to get support and many, many young black men are getting involved with this and between this and Islam, you could see in America arise another civil war over these issues. And it will be scary with men like this who think that they have the right to enslave others based on the color of their skin and rape women based on the color of their skin. The verse that you hold to does not say anything about the black Hebrew Israelites being part of the slave trade. It is not true. The African slave trade were had buyers. They were sold as slaves. The verse that they hold to to say that African Americans were the Israelites is not what the text says. They focus on one word, the word ship. They say that's literal, and the rest of it they say is figurative. What you see is they had to run away because someone who actually understands how to interpret the Bible, they can't handle. The fact is that what the text says is the group of people, they wanted to know who it's speaking of. The group of people speaks of someone who was once in Egypt, 
left Egypt, came back to Egypt by ship. And when they came back to Egypt by ship, they did that and they needed a way to keep themselves alive. So they sold themselves as slaves and had no buyers. That's not the description of the African slave trade. That's the thing we have to deal with. So when folks say that that's the African slave trade, that is not what it is saying. The text does not say that. So I know they walked off and the rest of the folks probably don't understand some of that. So I'm going to let some of my other friends get up and talk. Okay, so that was the dialogue that we ended up having, and I hope it was informative to you. I hope that you will learn a little bit more how to deal with folks like this and that you'll see that they are in the major cities and they are becoming a larger and larger group, and yet there's very little you could do as far as research on them because there's many different subgroups that they have all under the banner of Black Hebrew Israelite in all of their little subsets, and they don't write anything down. They're very, very active on YouTube videos. That's where they do most of their evangelizing and discipleship, if we're going to use those terms, but they're mostly on YouTube. That's where they get their followers. That's where they do their teaching. And this is the thing. Now, do some of them believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Most of them deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And so you end up having very wide ranging views within their different groups. So they're loosely affiliated but the fact is they are growing and it is something I think in the future we're going to have to deal with. Now, there are some folks, I think there's uh, Vocab Malone is the only person I know who I think he's doing his either master or doctoral work on Black Hebrew Israelites and he has a book out. I don't remember the title, but that's the only book that I know of that is on this. So there's not a lot of research you could do other than engaging with them or watching them online. But I hope this was helpful. I hope you learned a little bit. And really, to, to encourage you, that even when you have aggressive people like this, that does not mean you have to get aggressive. Do not return evil for evil, but you can return good. You hear that I didn't raise my voice. I was trying to keep my voice even-toned. I was trying as best I could to answer the questions. But also notice, I was trying to stay on topic. Do not fall for the ploy of jumping all around with them. So until next week, strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.